This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 16th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The right to marry seems fundamental, but that particular government franchise is not extended to gays. Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute, says let them get married. The right of marriage, he argues, is one of free association, a right of a free person to form a lasting relationship without government interference. How do you evaluate the quality of the argument that uh, attorneys Boyas and Olson are making in California? Uh, They're making a federal equal protection argument. I think it's a very powerful argument. I think it's an uphill battle. The courts uh, may not agree. The framework for legal protection cases goes like this. The 14th Amendment uh, and the Fifth Amendment cover equal protection. The Fifth Amendment covers the federal government, the 14th Amendment, the state governments. And the amendments say that you may not discriminate. Uh, Everybody has the right to equal protection of the laws. Now, we know the government discriminates against its citizens all the time. There are some classes of discrimination that the courts rigorously scrutinize whenever there are regulations. And those include uh, race, for example, and to a lesser degree, gender. But sexual preference has not been a class that has triggered a heightened degree of scrutiny. But marriage is a franchise that is extended by the state. Marriage uh, is a franchise that is extended by the state, but need not be extended by the state. That is to say, it could be privatized. As a matter of fact, historically in this country, it has been privatized. So under that kind of a rubric, some churches or synagogues or mosques would recognize Uh, only heterosexual marriages. Others would recognize uh, homosexual marriages as well. Still others might call them uh, domestic partnerships or assign some other label. You should feel free to join whichever of those uh, groups that you wish to join. There would be no need for government to sanction the institution of marriage. It could be accomplished by private institutions and individuals would be permitted to make their choices accordingly. Is there any sense that states actually would go that direction, that is to say privatize marriage? Well, um, I think regrettably the states have intervened and there are thousands of regulations uh, by the federal government that affect such things as taxes and uh, transfer payments that are triggered by uh, marriage um, and ditto at the state level, maybe even more than thousands. And now at the state level, not only do we get involved in taxes and transfer payments, but we also get involved in in issues of divorce and custody and property settlements and things of that nature. So it is true that the states have uh, defined marriage for purposes of dispensing largesse and for imposing obligations, but it is not true that they have to do so. And of course, the court's scrutiny of these kinds of discriminations against classes like those based on uh, sexual preference. Uh, The court's scrutiny would take into account the extent to which the government could have accomplished its goals by means that did not discriminate. And I think there is good grounds to argue that government could have accomplished these things, that is, defining rules for property and transfer payments and the like, without officially defining what it meant to be married. Would a revival of privileges or immunities under the 14th Amendment, would that strengthen the case for gay marriage in the United States? Well, I would argue so. Um, this, the regime now is based on um, both the equal protection clauses I mentioned and also what's called substantive due process, the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. One could argue 
in addition to the equal protection claim, that there is the claim that this is a fundamental right, the right to associate with the person that you love and to establish a permanent and exclusive relationship with shared responsibilities and perhaps even a common residence. And by the way, that's the way in which government sometimes decides who is entitled to benefits under domestic partnership arrangements. They ask for an affidavit and you name the partner and you define uh, what that partner's shared responsibilities are. You attest to the fact that you are in a uh, common residence and that your relationship is intended to be uh, exclusive and permanent. And based on that, not based on any definition of marriage, but based on that affidavit, these uh, benefits are dispensed. Now, you could argue that these are fundamental rights, the rights of association, and that therefore they are protected not only by the Equal Protection Clause, but by the Due Process Clause. Now, I say due process because that is the clause that the courts have used to impose obligations on the states not to violate substantive rights. As the name due process implies, that clause is more suited, better suited, to procedural rather than substantive rights. And so some of us, myself included, have contended that the use of the third clause in the 14th Amendment, the Privileges or Immunities Clause, would accomplish in a much cleaner fashion the incorporation of substantive rights on the states rather than using the due process clause. Interestingly, the conservatives on the court have objected to the use of the due process clause on the ground that it has no basis in the history of the, of the clause itself and is contrary to the text of the clause, which says process. One would think, therefore, that the court, uh, conservatives would favor uh, a shift to privileges or immunities. Um, whether that happens is, uh, I think, uh, dubious in an uphill battle. And the oral argument in McDonald wouldn't provide a whole lot of support for the idea that they would do that. That's right. McDonald was the gun case in Chicago during uh, and during oral argument. The uh, proponents of incorporating the Second Amendment, that is, making the Second Amendment applicable to the states as well as the federal governments, the proponents of that uh, pushed for incorporation by privileges or immunities rather than by due process. The reaction of the court seemed to be, uh, why should we step into this thicket when we've used due process all along? Um, that, I think, is my own characterization would be intellectually dishonest. But, uh, of course, uh, the court will, when we get its opinion, uh, tell us whether, in fact, the oral argument is a good predictor of what ultimately comes out of the court. I think it's important to note that uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, set the stage for this uh, recognition of of uh, rights for same-sex uh, couples. He said in the Declaration of Independence, to secure these rights, governments instituted among men. The important word there is secure. In other words, these are rights that we possessed before government existed. These are rights that uh, we have just by virtue of our very nature, and the purpose of government is to secure the rights not to grant them, not to create them, but to secure them and to prevent some people and government itself from harming other people by depriving of those rights. Now, that would suggest that the threshold question in uh, this issue of same-sex marriage is whose rights are being threatened or violated when two consenting uh, persons of the same sex decide that they want a permanent, loving uh, relationship, mutually reinforcing uh, with each other? The answer, of course, is that no one's rights are, are being violated. And yet government uh, has 
instituted uh, this, I think, uh, rather crazy uh, arrangement where child molesters can get married and wife beaters can get married and scoff laws uh, for child support can get married and prison inmates, but not homosexual couples. This, I think, is a violation of fundamental rights and should be overturned by the court. I hope they do so in California. Bob Levy is chairman of the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.